Hi, my name is Tiani and I will be reading 1 Timothy 3 verses 14 to 16. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Hi everyone, my name's John Thorpe. I'm the minister here at Shell Harbour City Anglican and it's great to have you with us today. Let me pray as we get into this passage. Dear Lord, we thank you that you choose to gather us together as a church, as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help each of us to listen to your word now, that we might take it to heart and live it out faithfully. Amen. One of the things I have loved over the years uh, is gathering together on Christmas Day. Uh, so to put together a little bit of a picture of my family, I have a brother and sister. Uh, my father passed away when I was 18 and mum remarried. And so we ended up with two families coming together. We we're a bit like the Brady Bunch. Uh, except we came together as adults. And then over the years, uh, we've collectively had uh, 21 children, uh, which makes Christmas Day this wonderful, chaotic event. You know, lots of yelling and screaming, lots of food and rope swings and trampolines and kids climbing together in trees. Uh, but of course, uh, not every day is Christmas Day for families. Our family is also made up of a thousand little moments, uh, precious moments, uh, but also moments of sadness and frustration and grief and at times conflict. But when family is good, it is exceptional and it is precious. And even if it's not our experience, it's certainly something that we all long for. In our passage today, Paul uses the language of household and family to describe our fellowship together as a church. And so as we look at this passage today, I want to pick up three themes uh, that he draws on. We are God's family. Uh, we are a pillar of the truth. And then finally, we are saved by that truth. So that's where we're heading for our time together. But let me begin in verse 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing to you with these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So Paul was hoping to come to Ephesus, but he's also concerned about what he's hearing. And so he writes to Timothy, and because he's hearing about false teachers, and he's hearing about conflict in the church. And so as things are starting to get a little bit wobbly, a little bit off track, he writes to Timothy to say, this is how people should be living in God's household. Uh, so for the visually minded, uh, he wants things to look a little bit more like this and not like this. The very first thing we need to hear in these verses is it's God's household. Uh, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are all intimately involved to bring us together. Uh, God loves us. He created us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross and he gathers us together. And so how we relate to one another reflects how we understand and honour God because he's the one who brought it together. A woefully uh, inadequate uh, analogy is 
Uh, if we say we don't like the food, then we're not just sort of disrespecting the food, uh, we're disrespecting the person who made the food, uh, the chef. Uh, now, we're a family, uh, not food, but this is God's household and God has brought it together in his good purpose and he's done it for our sake and for the sake of one another and so that we might be his voice and his hands and his feet in our community. And the language of household captures the idea of care and concern, but also responsibility. We have a responsibility to look after one another and to love one another. But he also uses the language of church. Uh, The word for church, ecclesia, uh, literally means gathering, and we are a gathering of God's people. And so to put it all together, uh, we are a family who gathers together. And those two ideas are really significant in how we approach our life together and how we see ourselves in connection with one another. So we can't see church like going to the gym. When we go to a gym, there might be other people there, we might even make a few friends, but ultimately we're going there for ourselves, uh, to prepare our body uh, physically, uh, to prepare ourselves mentally for the rest of life. And certainly as we come to church, we do prepare ourselves for the rest of life. But if that is our whole picture of why we come to church, if it's just about what I will get out of it, then we're missing half the picture. Or perhaps we might come to church as as an expression of our praise and worship of God, but it's still about me and God. So I come to listen and pray and sing. But of course, I could do all of those things at home by myself. And in fact, when it comes to singing, I think for me, uh, it would be more of a blessing than a curse if I did sing at home. Uh, Last week in the podcast, in my elevator music at the beginning, I was clearly humming uh, the girl from Ipanema. Uh, but when we talk about it as a staff later in the week, uh, the guys just looked at me blankly. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure, as, as I looked at uh, Pete's expression, uh, it was more sadness uh, than anything else. Uh, we do praise and worship when we come to church. But what makes church unique is doing it together. And in fact, that's one of the things that we lose in this podcast format. And it's one of the reasons we encourage you to leave a comment you know, on the Facebook page or join the, the Q&A time after because uh, it's, a, it's a poor cousin compared to meeting together, but at least it's some little moment of connection. But when people do come to church, uh, when we get to do it live um, in particular, uh, they get to see the difference the gospel makes. They, they hear it spoken, but they also see it expressed uh, and in the way that we engage with one another. And that's compelling uh, because they see the difference that the gospel makes in the lives of the people. Uh, so we gather to give uh, and we gather to receive. And when we gather, it's about us and God, but it's also about how we gather together and how we love one another. And when we do gather, uh, that permeate that should permeate then into the rest of life. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, what we have together isn't just about one room. Uh, it's about sharing life together. And that means we have a responsibility uh, for one another. So to pick up the language of Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That growing together journey starts with, 
hearing the good news of Jesus for the first time. And it finishes when we finish, when we stand before the Lord. But each week as we gather together, we have opportunities to encourage one another and grow together. And so for our young people, we do that with things like Cross Life Youth and Cross Life Kids. I think the most significant opportunity for adults is our connect groups. As we meet together in those smaller groups each week to open up the Bible and to wrestle with what it says and to encourage one another. And those smaller groups give us the opportunity to really get to know people. And as we get to know people, we build trust. And as we build trust, we're willing to share honestly and we're willing to be more vulnerable together. Uh, What we do on Sunday is so important uh, to our life together. But I think for many people, uh, you don't feel completely at home until you get into something like a connect group where you can really get to know people personally. Now, I appreciate that uh, right now the idea of joining a connect group might feel pretty overwhelming uh, to do that over something like Zoom. And I know for some people they just find Zoom difficult even at the best of times. So perhaps for you, if you are up for joining one right now, that's fantastic. But if not, then as we come back together, as we get into a new year uh, soon enough, can I really encourage everyone to join a group? Uh, for your sake, but also for the sake of others. So a lot of our life together is organised, but we shouldn't limit ourselves to simply the things that are organised. We have lots of personal opportunities. Uh, Some of those opportunities are just share-the-love opportunities. And so uh, last week, uh, it was really nice to open the door and discover a pumpkin on the front doorstep. Now, I love pumpkin. We roast pumpkin. We had pumpkin soup last night. Uh, It was fantastic. Uh, But really, uh, what I love most about that pumpkin is the thought that sits behind it and the appreciation that sits behind it. Uh, Another person this week uh, sent me a message that simply said, uh, praying for you and your family this morning. Uh, Now, the moral of this isn't to send me uh, more messages or or more pumpkins, although I do love pumpkin, uh, but it's a simple way that we can express our love for each other, express our connectedness together. Uh, But then there are also other opportunities. And so it might be the opportunity to send someone a text message or give them a call on the phone or to go for a walk with someone. Uh, So at the moment, uh, one of my sort of habits of life is that I'll I'll, I'll jump on the phone and I'll, I'll just head out for a walk and talk to people on the phone as I walk. Uh, If I can, I'll meet up with uh, one or two people each week. And again, we'll we'll go for a walk. And we live in a beautiful area. It's not a hard area to go for a walk. And it's good to talk about the little things of life, uh, but also to ask one another, you know, how are we going? How are we going as Christians? How are we growing? You know, what's challenging you from the book of 1 Timothy? But all of those things are an opportunity to help us grow together, even in these very unusual times. Uh, So we are a family. Uh, We're a family that gathers together. We're a family that shares life together. But we are also, back to our passage, a pillar and foundation of the truth. So we're a household. Uh, That's that's one sort of illustration of our life together. Uh, But we're also a building. Uh, Houses and buildings are supposed to protect, they're supposed to be strong, they're immovable objects. And no matter what storms come along, they're supposed to stand firm. But of course, that's only going to happen 
if you get the foundations right. So this picture was taken at Collaroy in Sydney in 2016 when a king tide combined with a big swell just stripped away the foundations until the houses finally had nothing left and collapsed. As a group of Christians, we should be a pillar of strength and stability in a world of uncertainty and conflict. So we stand on good foundations. To pick up the language of Psalm 40, I wait patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard me heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You know, that is a wonderful psalm. It's a wonderful expression of the hope that we have, ha- we have and the grace that God has shown us. But not only are we standing on a good foundation, we are a good foundation to others. People should be able to come to us to find the truth and they're going to rely on our words for safety and security. Uh, thankfully, uh, the truth we're proclaiming isn't our truth or, or my truth. It's God's truth. And he gives us his truth in his word. And so the very short version of the truth that we proclaim is seen in these next verses. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached amongst the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. As we listen to those words, the focus is 100% on Jesus. So let's work our way through each of those lines just really briefly. He appeared in the flesh, so he chose to humble himself, to share in our humanity and stand in our place to pay the price for our sin. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Now, this one is a little less obvious. Uh, To be vindicated means to be shown to be right. It could be a reference to the Spirit coming on Jesus at his baptism, but his ultimate vindication was actually in his resurrection. And so if we read Paul's letter to the Romans, we get a little bit more insight into the role of the Spirit in his resurrection. So this is what Romans 8 says. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So Jesus has claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, and the spirit vindicates that claim in the resurrection. The next line isn't a whole lot easier. Seen by angels could be a reference to the events of that very first resurrection morning when the angels are there at the tomb but more likely it's talking about the angels in heaven as they recognize the authority of Jesus as he comes and sits at the right hand of the father so again using Paul's words to understand Paul let's read from the book of Philippians therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
So his authority is clearly seen and established and now was preached amongst the nations. There is a message that people need to hear, that Jesus has authority over all things, and that includes us. And Jesus saves us through what he did on the cross, so our relationship with him might be restored. Uh, That's not simply my truth, and you can believe your truth. That's God's truth, and we cannot back away from sharing it. Uh, We do it from a position of seeking to persuade and to love and to show people what that truth looks like. And we certainly can't ever come from a position of force or coercion. But we also can't give up. Uh, We have a job to do to proclaim that good news to the world. And so we're going to keep doing that uh, as a church and we're going to keep supporting that around the world. Uh, with uh, families like the Sparks family in Spain and the Forrest family in Jordan and Amy in Argentina. And we know as we share God's word that it doesn't come back empty. So in the words of our passage, was believed on in the world. As the good news is shared, as the spirit convicts, unsurprisingly, people respond. And that belief includes a recognition that our sin and our life choices have separated us from the God who created us. It includes recognising Jesus who died on the cross for our sin and his lordship and his authority over our lives. And we're no longer living for ourselves, we live for Christ. And that's what the earliest disciples believed uh, when Jesus came to them in those very first early days. Uh, that's what the crowds believed in Galilee that, and in Jerusalem. That's what Paul believed. Uh, when he was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And eventually that message made it all the way to Australia. And that's what we believed when the Spirit convicted us. Uh, For some of us, that was a dramatic moment of realisation. For others, the message of the gospel and our conviction is simply the air we have always breathed. And it's not that one is better than the other, one's certainly more dramatic. But God is working in all of those situations to gather people for himself. And that belief is grounded in who Jesus is and his lordship. And then it overflows into all the other aspects of our life. So it overflows into how we relate to one another, how we're committed to one another here at church, into how we approach our work, how we approach using our money, our priorities as a family, and how we see our purpose. Uh, Life is not just eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, We've been created to have a relationship with the God who made us, to take pleasure in his love for us, and to then live out that love, to be so secure in our love and who we are before God that we can love others generously, even if there's nothing coming back. I think for some people listening right now, you might say, you know, I believe this in my mind, but I've just never really committed to it. It's never really sort of hit me in the heart or overflowed into the rest of life. And if that's you at the moment, if you recognise who Jesus is, but you haven't done anything about it, then can I encourage you to do something about that? Don't leave that feeling. Uh, If it's just about you praying by yourself, then do that. Uh, In your words, God will understand what you're saying. If you want to talk about it after, you're more than welcome to get in touch with me. And then finally, in our poetic creed, it finishes with Jesus, who is taken up to glory. 
In many respects, if this declaration was about putting things in the right order, then we might expect this line to perhaps come a little earlier, between vindicated by the Spirit and seen by angels. But there's a certain symmetry to the structure. It began with Jesus appearing and it concludes with him taken up to glory. But it also concludes with a focus on Jesus and not on us. Uh, He is the one who deserves all praise and majesty and honour. He is the one who has been given authority over all of creation. So to bring it all together, to go back uh, two verses now to the beginning of our passage, it is the truth of Jesus that brings our household together, that gathers the church. Uh, So we are brothers and sisters together in Christ. And like any family, like any good Christmas lunch, there's always one more seat at the table. There's always room for more people to join us. But we are also a pillar and a foundation of the truth. Uh, We are to be an immovable object in a world of change. Uh, We don't shift uh, with the culture around us. We don't try to blend in with everyone else. Uh, God has given us his word, his truth, and so we need to faithfully stand for that truth and proclaim that truth, and people should be able to come and find safety and security and life as they hear the good news of Jesus and as they turn to him and repent and believe. So let me pray that we might live up to who God has called us to be. Dear Lord, we do thank you for our fellowship together, uh, that through your Son we are brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, help us to live out that uh, fellowship together. Help us to love one another generously and to see how we might do that more and more each day. Lord, help us to be a pillar and foundation of the truth. Help us to hold firmly to your word and to proclaim it faithfully and without fear and favour. We pray for these things in your son's name. Amen.